0: like in Argentina for River Plate or a Book of Juniors, or you're going to Europe.
2: He looked like the Ryan Giggs of old. He was more creative than any player on the pitch. Um, he made Matt look stupid. He made Mooney look silly.
0: Now, the Premier League is what the most exciting league out there. I think it's probably the best marketed league without a question.
1: When you look at the draw for the the Champions League, you kind of say, well, all the pieces kind of fell into place for everybody
0: except city. I am your host Joe Ucello, Sir Bob, Mike Orr, my co-host Rob Rojas, my trusted co-host Ben the Machine. Good evening everyone and welcome to episode 336 of Low Limit Football on this 19th of September 2021. I'm your host Joe Ucello and tonight... Erling Haaland continues his incredible scoring streak, making it 68 goals in 69 matches for Dortmund as they beat Union Berlin 4-2. PSG gets a late Accardi winner to beat Lyon and stay atop League on. Juve has a flat second half, allowing Milan to level and dropping points once again. Chelsea dominates in today's london derby as they beat spurs 3-0 and we're going to look back on champions league action with our very special guest mr jack grimsey from os studios will be joining us in just a little bit but first let me get my co-host in here mr roberto rojas uh how's the how's the new job working out my friend
2: well it's funny that you said that because i was just going to mention into my introduction that we did see a late transfer happen in the world of football
0: so yes uh, you did mention it right there. <laughs> that's right, that's right, because we didn't announce it on this show yet, but you've taken your talents from South Beach, and you have moved them to New York City, right? Uh, Stanford, technically. Close enough, <laughs> as as you are now uh, part of the production team for uh, NBC Studios, NBC Sports, and working on uh, the Premier League. So. Um, you know, uh, to our listeners, uh, you know, if you don't mind bearing with us as we work out our schedule over the next few weeks and figure out what's the best time for the two of us, um, to get together because now our, our Saturdays and Sundays are quite full. Um, but, uh, but certainly congratulations to you, uh, a well-deserved position moving up the ladder. Um, and, uh, just great to see and, and, and really how's the first week gone for you?
2: Yeah, it's been good. It's been good. I think it's certainly been quite a new experience, obviously. Making that big jump to NBC is a, a huge honor for me. And, you know, I think um, it's it's a good team, from what I can tell you. It's a good team that is really passionate about the game. They really care about this coverage. And now I feel like it's a huge responsibility for me because I feel like working for probably the most popular league in the world and in, in probably the most popular soccer league in this country. Okay, maybe I can say something about that, but... <laughs> You know, it's a it's a huge responsibility, and yeah, I'm happy to be here, and I'm hoping that I can provide so much to to the team for the future.
0: Well, you never know, you, you know, if things go well with uh, NBC Sports, you can make the jump to Universo, and then you will be covering the most popular league in this country. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll wait and see. But again, congratulations on on the transition, my friend, and uh, and all the best, and uh, you know, looking forward to to your work there as well. So. Um, and with that announcement, you, my friend, are in charge of the trivia question this week. So why don't you go ahead and lay it on us? And it's perfect timing
2: considering what you mentioned in your opening monologue. It's going to be mentioning again that guy, Erling Haaland. So during the midweek, we did see the Champions League return. And from that, we saw Erling Haaland scored his 21st goal in 17 Champions League games. An incredible record for someone that... It's, it just started playing in this competition literally two years ago joe but my question to you is the two top goal scorers of all time in the champions league are of course lino messi and cristiano ronaldo we know how many goals erling Haaland has had after 17 champions league games but how many did lino messi and cristiano ronaldo have after 17 champions league games wow
0: that's an interesting question i know we've We've had something like this in the past uh, for trivia questions, and it's always amazing to see this kid shoot up the ladder like this. So uh, we'll we'll bring you the the answer at the end of the show. Uh, Again, I'm going to spitball at it and try. If I remember correctly, um, Messi, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo got there a little quicker than Messi overall, but uh, I'll throw some guesses at you, and we'll figure it out at the end of the show. So um, let's jump into opening thoughts, my friend, and, Today's opening thoughts, you know, now that we're starting to get into the swing of things, we've seen, uh, uh, you know, most of our leagues here go through, uh, I would say, the first four or five matches, depending on, on what league you're looking at. Um, so we thought it would be a good time to reflect on some of the top matches this week. And I, I'd like to open with the big match this week because this match is a prelude to another massive match coming up next week, which we'll talk about in match of the week uh, moving ahead. But let's start off in England with the, uh, with the, Chelsea, with the Chelsea Spurs match coming up. Uh, coming into this, Chelsea uh, was, I believe, in second place in the league at the moment. Um, Tottenham Hotspur uh, are currently sitting seventh but had previously lost their last match coming into this against Crystal Palace a 3-0 defeat and Chelsea comes up with a 3-0 victory in this one uh, earlier this morning and was really um, you know just just looking back or thinking back on the match today this was a much closer match in the first half Uh, as it ended in the first half I believe it was uh, it was nil-nil at the half Um, Chelsea getting the better of the chances in the first half but but certainly Tottenham Hotspur was not out of it. The second half, though, was a different, different story. N'Golo Conte comes on as a 46-minute sub for Mason Mount, and, and the rest is really history. You had goals from Thiago Silva in the 49th minute. N'Golo Conte himself... Uh, on the 57th minute and Antonio Rudiger in the 92nd minute of this match. Uh, Conte's goal was uh, a big, big deflection. It was kind of the theme of the day. We saw a few goals like that happen today where, uh, if, if I remember correctly, West Ham's uh, goal to make it 1-1 against Manchester United earlier today, also on a big deflection. Um what are your thoughts of this? Because, you know, Chelsea obviously go from the frying pan into the fire in this one. You know, after they they uh, they manage a 1-0 victory in their opening match of Champions League, they go 3-0 here against Tottenham Hotspur. And lo and behold, next weekend, they've got just uh, Manchester City coming up. So um, what were your thoughts on this match? Uh, the, the performances of both coaches, both um, um, uh, Nuno Espirito Santo and uh, Thomas Tuchel in this one. And moving forward, what, what, uh, what do we expect out of Pep Guardiola and that Manchester City side?
2: Well, going to your first part, I think, you know, it kind of feels as if, though, your prediction for your champion for your Premier League winners is starting to see, okay, yes, it's only been five games out of a huge 38-game season, but now we're starting to see really the big contenders in all of this, mm-hmm. um, you know, looking at the top five, okay, we see our, our usual suspects. Except Brighton, you know, they're they're in four plays at the moment, but I don't see them hanging in there anytime soon. But no, I think Chelsea have really been demonstrating, you know, why they are the European champions, why many people would highly regard them as the best team in the world. I think they've really demonstrated, you know, under Tuchel that they are a side that are able to get results. That Tuchel gets the best out of these players. That they've really, really gotten much better now with the, with the. Um, with the transfer of Romelu Lukaku, he didn't score in that game. But, you know, obviously he's still influential as, as any top striker there is. And, you know, I think Chelsea are, are out there to contend. They're really out there to get everything that there is at their disposal. Tottenham, on the other hand, I, you know, I, it's that same old, same old. You almost feel as if, though, when are they going to make that jump? And you can even understand, and, you know, this isn't even going back to what, uh, you know, this kind of... You mentioned Pep Guardiola and this whole Manchester City... Um, conundrum. I mean, obviously, they're in fifth place at the moment, but one would think what would have happened if, if Harry Kane did indeed make that transfer to Manchester City. Whether they have been a better side, we don't know. But, um, no, I think we're, it's still early days, though, Joe. You know how it is. I mean, we can say that to not just in this league, but in most league. it's like, you know, it, it it it's a long season. And I think the teams that have so many players in terms of depth, you know, obviously, your Chelsea's, your Man City's, you know, those teams, even United, Liverpool... Those teams, you know, they will indeed go out there towards the middle of the season to to be a bit more stronger and have more um, of a chance to really fight for this title. So early days for now. I mean, Chelsea looking as dominant as ever. For City, though, I mean that next game that that's a crucial one. That really is. I mean, you know, I think City need to know that they have to get this win so they don't extend the gap even further from them. Three points is. Can be a lot in a league like this. So if they extend that to six, that becomes even more difficult for them to not even just contend for the title, but just to contend for, for top four, which I don't think they need. I don't think they want to aspire. They want to aspire for all the trophies available. Um, so they need to get this win next weekend. It's, it's going to be tough after what we saw over the weekend against Southampton.
0: Sure. And, you know, just to bring in a couple more points, uh, City coming into this have only conceded one goal the entire season so far. And that's the one goal that they gave up to Tottenham Hotspur in the opening match of the season, a match that they dropped 1-0 uh, to them. Since then, they've, they've shut out Norwich. They've shut out Arsenal. They've shut out Leicester. And, today, and over the weekend, although it was a 0-0 draw, they shut out Southampton as well. Uh, your, your, um, your point about Brighton, Brighton has really gotten fat. They've won four to five matches. They've really gotten fat on the bottom of the table. Uh, they beat Burnley. They beat Watford. They lost to Everton, which you would have expected. Then, uh, beating Brentford one nil and Leicester city. They, they did manage a a two, one over the weekend, a two, one victory over Leicester city, a Leicester city that's kind of stumbling a little bit at the moment, um, so that, that's that point. Chelsea also have only conceded one goal so far this entire season. Uh, the one goal that they were they, they conceded was to Liverpool in that 1-1 draw just a few weeks ago. So Chelsea, you know, ultimately our team looking very, very confident. They come up with a big win in a, in a derby, you know, in a, in a crosstown rival. Um, they are going to face off against the defending champions in Manchester City coming up uh you know they do have the confidence of of going to anfield just a few weeks ago and drawing level with them they've only conceded one goal in the entire season in on all competitions so this chelsea side right now it's got, it's going to be one heck of a match coming up next weekend and we'll give you the time of and the day of it uh at the end of the show but this is uh, you know it's still early days but you do start to feel like a a, a three point result in this in this match one way or another can start to at least shape a little bit the uh, the top of the table Manchester City drops this match next week that's that's big um they'll be six points behind Chelsea you know six matches into the season that's that's quite the uh the distance to have to make up for them so um it, you know I think it's it's more important for city to get the three points here I, I think a draw, a draw is not terrible for either team um it's all going to depend on what liverpool do what manchester united do um you know going into this and and obviously uh liverpool gonna have brentford probably gonna pick up three points there united are going to have villa uh coming up next weekend as well not going to be an easy three points but you would certainly expect united to win uh, you know although they did leave it late this week against against west ham uh to pull out those points but we'll see if if chelsea is able to continue this role, especially defensively, uh, where they've done so well. We're going to have to see if uh, Edward Mendy is going to be able to come back. Uh, he was injured this week, and Kepa obviously stepped in for him uh, against Spurs and, and did quite well for them. So, you know, defensively they look good. And and I think, uh, I think we're going to see an interesting Chelsea matchup. It's going to be interesting to see how Lukaku does against uh, Ruben Diaz uh, in that matchup as well. So we're, we're you know we're certainly in for a big one next week. Let's um. There was a couple other big matches coming up this week, and uh, I'm going to throw it over to you, my friend, because this is a match that you saw that I didn't, but I did see some of the controversy afterwards. PSG leaving it late uh, against Lyon, going down one nil to start the match, and then uh, coming back with two goals. A Neymar, a controversial Neymar penalty, uh, which he converted into a goal, and then a, ni- a 94th minute winner from Mauro Icardi. To seal this one, uh, assist from Kylian Mbappe. Lionel Messi subbed off in the 70th minute on this one, and it did not look like he was very happy about that. Uh, and the cameras of um, I know you watched this match from start to finish. I'd like your impression of this match, uh, and and really the impression of not only the penalty was it legit, uh, but Messi's reaction to being subbed off. Uh,
2: yeah, I think in terms of the penalty, it's questionable. You know how it is with these kind of rules nowadays. I, I think there is that contact, and I think that is enough for you to, to warrant uh, and get a penalty. But I think the big question is, yes, the Lionel Messi substitute, okay, PSG did get the win in the end. Um, but when you're a side like PSG who have all these all-star type of players, um, especially with the attacking prowess, if you look at the lineup that started that game, Joe, Di Maria, Messi, Neymar, and, and Kylian Mbappe, you should win convincingly against Leon. Yes, Leon are a fantastic side in itself, but you know the fact that you had to leave it late does cause a bit of confusion. Concern for for Pochettino uh, in regards to Messi getting subbed off. Apparently, that was because Pochettino saw that he was kind of wringing a little bit his his knee that he was kind of injured. Maybe he thought that he wasn't able to play the whole ninety minutes, so that's why he decided to sub Mob. Even though Messi said that no, he was fine, so we don't know what's going on there. I'm sure Pochettino will probably say it, you know, in in his, in his interviews afterwards, or if it's already out there. But yeah, this is um. <sighs> And, and, and mind you, Joe, we, we did see this also midweek uh, in the Champions League where they tied Bruges. And, you know, again, this is no disrespect to Bruges in itself, but you're not supposed to get draws from a side like that when you're a side like PSG. So mm-hmm. it, you want to say that maybe this side, you know, with all the new players involved, are still trying to get the chemistry working. But I think with a side like PSG, they need to get it done as soon as possible. Yes. They are still unbeaten in the league. They're still doing well there. You know, they're six 0-0. They haven't lost a single game yet. They're five points ahead of Marseille, who still has to play a game in hand, obviously. But I think um, I think the main concern is just trying to gel that team together and where you're able to get all those goals from from Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe, um, you know, and 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 so on and so forth. So yeah, it's it's going to be very interesting to see what happens to this side. Um and, and and moving forward, if they're able to really maintain that kind of consistency, especially in the Champions League, which you know is obviously the main objective for this side. And yeah, it's it's, it's like like you said, it's still early days. People like to always write off these type of teams early on, and, and you know try to to kill them for not doing what they're expected to do because you know you want them to do it every other week. We know that's not like that, Joe, as we know. Um, but uh, yeah, I I think my two cents on PSG is that they, they need to get that chemistry working well and they need to do it as soon as possible.
0: Yeah. Let's, let's, let's take it over. And again, um, first of all, PSG right now in the top five leagues in Europe, the only perfect team left. Uh, all the other teams have had either a draw or a loss in league. So th- let's see how long they can carry that. Usually I know that you and I, we've, we've always kind of kept an eye on that at the beginning of a season. And we usually run into mid October before somebody gets blemished in league uh so, let's see if they can carry past that and and see what happens there they're gonna be some challenges coming up for sure, so we'll have to see how p s g handles not only the the rigors of champions league and and league play but uh you know how well they rest they rest their players also to see if they can uh push through a couple other quick little notes on this particular matchup uh that we saw earlier today p s g still maintained the bulk of the possession shots on goal interesting five five in this one, according to my information. So, so rather even, uh, a rather even match overall. Did you feel that this match was played pretty evenly or did you feel that PSG was really the dominant side on this one?
2: No, it was, it was actually more even than I expected. I think in the first half you saw PSG trying to get more opportunities. Messi, uh, had a free kick that hit the post. He also went wide inside the final third. It was really close. I think heading into the second half, obviously when, when you score first, um, that usually does give you the momentum, um, throughout the entire game but no it, it was really cool and it was expected I Think in a game like this obviously Lyon and PSG are rivals Lyon is a great side as we all know with a good manager like Peter Botts so um no it, it was really tight but uh, I, I think now moving forward it's it's that case like I told you it's like how are they able to maintain their consistency through an entire season I'm not saying that PSG are ready to win the title yet we know that it's so early and we all know that we kind of called that in early um, before the start of the season, but um, no, I, I think when it comes to to this type of you know season where you know you get the best out of them and you know that it, it it's a long path and usually when that long path happens, it's when the teams with the most depth and strength come in and then really demonstrate why they're so good. And I think PSG can do that. Um, but like I said, it's, it's early days in the end as well. I I don't see Leon right now. They're situated in ninth place, but only two points from the European spots. So I, I don't see them staying in that position, uh, for, for a long time.
0: Right. Let's, uh, let's move on to the last match that we wanted to talk about today. And obviously it's a, it's a, a massive match, a massive result because as we sit here right now on September 19th, uh, and we're four matches into the season, Juventus is in the relegation zone. They, if the season ended today, and I know it's early days, UVA is relegated, and they've never gotten off to this poor of a start in the league. They are two draws and two losses. They've only, um, if, if I remember correctly, I'm going to go back and look quickly, but I think they've only scored three goals so far on the season. Um, I'm sorry, four goals on the season. They've given up six. Four. Yeah, they've scored four. They've given up six goals in, in a, you know, in a in, from a team that you don't expect them to give up six goals this early in the season, four matches in. Um, But another disappointing result for them today, 1-1 draw against AC Milan, and it really was a tale of two halves. This first half uh, would have been, if if you had to look up the definition of Max Allegri football in the dictionary, you would have seen the first half of this match. Well organized, uh, you know, definitive lines, something that AC Milan could not break down. The, The way Juve were set up took Frank Kessie out of the match took uh, Brahim Diaz out of the match. You know, they were ineffective. Uh, Ante Rebic was ineffective. And, you know, the best midfielder they had so far in the first half was Sandro Tonali, and he was good, but he wasn't, like, you know, stellar. Uh, on the flip side, Paulo Dybala springs Alvaro Morata, who who makes, by the way, a great run in terms of keeping Teo Hernandez off his back, uh, chips Mike Magnan to score the first goal for Juve, and Juve continued on that path for the first 45 minutes of... Of just maintaining, uh, maintaining position—not so much possession, but position—and Milan had no way to break him down. They had no answers. Coming to the second half, uh, you know, and credit to Stefano Pioli for making the changes he did. He brings on Florenzi, and he, the one sub that I thought he made that was the, one of the big keys was bringing Benassar on for Kessi. Benassar is going to be more of a of a possession midfielder and able to control a little bit better. And and, and you could see it. You could see the kind of the the. the the system and, and everything start to change. Um, and Juve had no answers for it. They bring on Moise Kane, uh for Alvaro Morata. They bring on Chiesa for quadrado, you know, the, the keen substitution for Morata. Okay. It's like for like Uh for 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 quadrado. Um, I, normally I want to see Chiesa on the pitch, but at this time, at the same time, Juan quadrado is one of those guys that can really spark a counterattack, uh, just given his speed and his style and his quickness. And, that was gone once. Once Quadrado comes off, that was gone. Ante Rebic scores on a free header. I mean, you can't let Ante Rebic. You can't let any number nine with with any ability to jump, um, to be alone on a corner kick inside the six yard box and give him a free header. Uh, ra- ra- credit to Rebic for getting away from Manuel Locatelli, uh, making a great run and finding that seam where Tenali uh, played the ball into uh, Rebic's Rebic's header off the far post and in. Uh, ties up the match, and really, from that point forward, AC Milan were the better team. They just absolutely were the better team. They were the ones with the pressure. I don't think Juve had a shot after that Rebic goal, and it's more of the same. We saw Juve, you know, last week against Napoli come out early, score a goal, uh, again, a, a Morata goal where he where he sprung on a defensive error by Casas uh, Manolas, and... Really do nothing with that lead afterwards and, and see a team that kind of faded as they went on in the match. And I don't know if this is a, a Max Allegri tactic issue. I don't know if it's a personnel issue. It's probably a little bit of both for me. Uh, let,
2: let me ask you this, Joe, yeah. though. What what about the big elephant in the room that left to go to England?
0: Yeah, you know, the the problem with, with Cristiano Ronaldo leaving, I, I don't think this is a goal scoring issue. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm not I'm not convinced it's a goal-scoring issue. The problem with Ronaldo when he left is when he left. He left Juve, because you've got to remember, he was on the bench for that first match of the season. Uh, came on and almost scored the winner, uh, you know, if, against Udinese. If you, if you think about it, he was just ruled off sides. It's when he left. It was the timing of when he left. Juve had no chance to, exp- and given their financials that we've seen over the past week, Juve had no chance to, to, to do anything to even remotely replace Cristiano Ronaldo. And I mean, remotely He's gone even to PSG and got Mauro Icardi, right? I mean, we, we all know how much Icardi is kind of on the outs. He's only getting minimal minutes. You know, you could have gotten somebody like that and probably gotten him on the cheap. Um, it's so it's, it's when it's, it's not so much that Cristiano Ronaldo left. And again, I think in the long run, I think Cristiano Ronaldo leaving was better for Juve. And I've talked about this a million times. It's, it, and you're seeing it actually with Manchester United now, um, Roberto. If you think about it, the play becomes Ronaldo centric, and everything becomes centered on Ronaldo. And and I even said if, um, on the um, on the cultural connection pod, uh, you know, Paul Pogba has done a good job of trying not to make it Ronaldo centric, but inherently, all these teams become Ronaldo centric. Juve was very Ronaldo centric, uh, you know, when it got down to this point in time. So I, I'm I'm not convinced that, you know. Ronaldo leaving was a bad thing, but when Ronaldo left, really hampered Juve in terms of their ability to make a move to try and replace some of those goals. And now the, the burden is on Moise Keane. The burden is on Paulo Dybala. The burden is on Alvaro Morata to get those goals and Federica Chiesa. And it's going to be on Max Allegri to figure out how, this, how to get this team going. You've got to remember also, Max Allegri, when he left left this defensive, pragmatic style of play, right? We saw it today in the first half. They move forward to Maurizio Sadi, very different system, to Andrea Pirlo, very different system, back to Allegri, back to this defensive system, but these players for two years have been mixed into this this offensive system. It's going to take some time. Uh, I just don't think that Juve can afford to continue to drop matches like this like the AC Milan match like the Napoli match like actually all four matches this season they were up 2-0 against Udinese managed a 2-2 draw they lose to um and I'm trying to think who it was I think it was Spezia um you know second match of the season I'm sorry it was Empoli uh you go and lose to Empoli 1-0 Empoli is a team that is you know going to probably be relegated for all intents and purposes And and then you go against your big matches where you really have six point swings against Napoli and AC Milan and you drop the points against them. These are not matches you can continue to drop. And again, you know, Juve's got an easy one against Spezia. Well, you would think it's an easy one against Spezia coming up this week, Um, but then they're going to run into Roma. They're going to run into Inter Milan. Uh, I think they run into Lazio, if I'm if I remember correctly, there are going to be some big matches coming up. Um, in the next few weeks, as well as Chelsea, as well as going to Zenit to play in the Champions League. There are some big matches. Juve really got to get this thing straightened out. And and I would say even if um, Allegri would kind of pare down what he wants to use, right? So almost do like a sorry thing uh, where, you know, Sarri only liked using 13, 14, 15 players, right? That was his system. And anybody else was just out. I'm almost tempted to have Allegri go to something like that until he gains that stability he needs um, and, and starts winning matches. And then you can start to factor in some of the, the Bernardeskis of the world and even the Western McKinney's um tour. And even um, Aaron Ramsey uh, start to factor those guys in, you know, at that point, but something has to flip quickly for them or they're going to get way behind and you're going to start wondering if they're even going to be able to make Europa League spots at this point, Rob. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, so well, again, we'll, we've got some matches of the week coming up this week. We'll, we'll bring those to you uh, at the end of the show. So um, <clears throat> we're going to welcome in our guest here now, uh, Mr. Jack Grimsey from OS Studio. Uh, we had the chance to talk to him about Champions League, uh, as well as uh, we touched on his uh, beloved Aston Villa with him. So without further ado, the Jack Grimsey interview. And joining us now on Low Limit Football from OS Studios, Mr. Jack Grimsey. Jack, welcome to the show. It's always great to have you on and get to chat footy with you. I want to open with a, you know, with our Champions League discussion and, and primarily with the Champions League uh, performances of the Premier League teams. We saw three out of four victories uh, coming up, a big one by Manchester City over RB Leipzig. We saw Chelsea sneak away with a 1-0 victory in their draw. Uh, but the big one, and, and, and even uh, Liverpool holding off AC Milan there at home, but the big one, I think the big glaring uh, issue is Manchester United giving up that late goal uh, to Jordan Pifak, the American, and Young Boys taking away the 2-1 victory so far in this. I mean, it's obviously one of the biggest upsets so far in the Champions League, but how would you rate the performance of the Champions League teams overall in the tournament so far?
1: Hey, Joe. Thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure joining Low Limit Football. Like you said, a bit of a mixed bag from the English side so far in the Champions League. Great win for Manchester City, putting up a lot of goals. Liverpool all-action, all-entertainment at Anfield. Chelsea able to do just enough to get that win. That's kind of been their style under Thomas Huckel, but for Manchester United, a lot of questions, like you said. I think when Cristiano Ronaldo joined, uh, fans were very excited, but a lot of Manchester United fans were hoping for a defensive midfielder to come in this summer, and they're still missing that. That's like it seems like the area of the pitch that the ball was given away in and that they ended up conceding that goal from, if you have a world-class defensive midfielder, you're not going to lose games like that.
2: Now, Jack, I wanted to go from one superstar that is playing in a top league to another one playing in another league, and that's, of course, Lionel Messi and how he's been starting at PSG. He's only get it, already got three games under his belt, and we know how this expectation goes with this PSG side, filled with a bunch of stars and, you know, obviously... Everyone is ex- expecting Lionel Messi to shine through and, and help PSG capture that elusive title that they've always wanted, which was the Champions League. But, you know, in the first three games of the season, obviously, there's, in his first three games of the season, I should say, you know, they tied Bruges away from home. Obviously, not a respectable result if you are PSG when it comes to the type of quality that you have on the pitch. Then they crawled out late to get a 2-1 win against Lyon, which, you know, it was a tight game. And and rightly so. I think we have to respect Leon in this case. And we saw Messi also subbed out um, just before the, um, the game ended. But I just wanted your thoughts on, you know, do you feel that Pochettino still needs a bit more time trying to get the best out of this squad? It's obviously a new team with new players. But, you know, do you feel that it's going to take, you know, quite a while for them to gel thoroughly and, and get that good chemistry? Or do you feel that maybe um it'll it'll come sooner than later when it comes to having all these top players at your disposal
1: I think a little bit of both Roberto like they're obviously going to be fine in Liga. they they've won their first six games and they're they're leading the league by a decent margin already but for Messi it's going to be a settling in period right he's been at Barcelona his whole (laughs) his whole professional footballing career even a little bit before that joined as a youngster so it's got to be acclimating to to Paris getting used to that um the system I think they'll get it worked out in time the only thing is they just have to make sure to get top two in their Champions League group and by the time the spring rolls around and the knockout stages roll around I think they'll be uh they'll they'll be gelling all of that team chemistry kind of built up by then and and they'll be fine domestically
2: do you still see them as
1: the top favorites to win the Champions League this season oh that's that's a tough one I think they're they're definitely one of the favorites to win the champions league i don't know if they're the favorite i think whenever there's a team that hasn't won it like psg they have never proven that they can get over the hump and win the champions league so i don't know if they they ever could have been the the clear favorites but people would people would say that for manchester city as well that they're the clear favorites but they're also another team that's never won the competition
2: now moving aside to obviously one team that is close to your heart in aston villa obviously we saw them get their first five games of the season. Uh, with two wins uh, two losses and one draw so they're comfortably still mid-table at the moment but you know obviously I think we see the impact of players like Danny Ings coming into the summer you you saw basically those uh, transfers that were made during the summer like him like Leon Bailey as well as we saw it against uh, Everton so I just want your thoughts on how you have assessed uh, the start of the season for Aston Villa and what Dean Smith has been doing with this team
1: yeah, I think it's been a, a pretty good start, all things considered. Like you said, Leon Bailey, it took him a little bit of time to to get in. Uh, he, he didn't arrive in England for quite a while, actually. But Denny Ings, I think, could slot into almost any team and be able to perform at, at the level that he does. He's kind of—I have a joke about him that, like, every other time he touches the the ball, it's going to be resulting in a goal. We saw he, he had a moment where he almost scored, and then the next moment he was playing with Leon Bailey over the top to score. But it's been a pretty good season so far for, Uh, for Villa I think it's just about kind of figuring out what what is our best 11 and going from there and this year for the first time in (laughs) in memorable history we have some squad depth to rotate which kind of makes the managers job tougher but over the course of the season it's something you need to have
2: do do you feel that they can definitely aspire for more in terms of qualification for Europe or do you feel that they're still going to be in that kind of battle for for mid-table um, I don't want to say battle, but at least in that kind of
1: discussion. I mean, looking at the Premier League this season, I think we really have a few teams at the top that are challenging for the title. It's going to be Manchester City, it's going to be Chelsea, it's going to be Manchester United, and um, and it's going to be Liverpool. And after that, after that top four, it's like a battle for for these European places, like you said. But really, all the way down. To 10th maybe 11th there there's some decent teams and just depending on the way the season shakes out things can go a lot of ways um i'm not necessarily hoping for like a europa league run that seems a little a little ambitious to be able to play our way into one of those places this season but maybe going going deep into one of the domestic cups we have chelsea this week so that's kind of tough in the league cup but you never you never know and just based on the way things things go and with the uh, europa conference league being an option too uh, it's definitely too early to rule something like that out.
2: Now, moving into the Bundesliga, and obviously I think in a title race that we always expect every season, um, obviously we have two teams with two new managers, um, obviously Bayern Munich with Julian Nagelsmann and Borussia Dortmund with Marco Rose, obviously also having their two top strikers now tied for the top goal scorers in Erling Haaland and Robert Lewandowski. I, I just want your thoughts because I I think... It's gonna be another tight season, I would say, and you know, it's it's always the running joke of you know how far until Bayern Munich can do indeed wrap this title up, and or even how soon does Dortmund screw it up? You would say. So I just want your thoughts on if you see this kind of race happening between these two, or or looking even at the table. I know it's still early days, but you have teams like Wolfsburg, you got teams like Bayer Leverkusen, Leipzig, who aren't doing so well under Jesse March. They're always out there to cause a surprise. I just want. What you have assessed so far from this start of the Bundesliga?
1: Yeah, sure thing, Roberto. I think we're in for a treat, especially when it comes to watching strikers like Lewandowski and Holland going at it every week. It seems like they're going to score. Lewandowski scored in 19 games in a row for Bayern since every, every game since he's been healthy. Uh, but Holland just keeps scoring better and better goals. It's like he's trying to one-up himself with, with the effort he scored against Union on Sunday that was that was just insane I just keep rewatching it because it's crazy uh, so I think it it really could be Bayern and Dortmund in a slog for the title uh, Wolfsburg they're still up there but I don't really see them as a as a true contender that said they have only allowed two goals through their first five matches um, and you mentioned Leipzig under Jesse Marsh that's really a place where it's going to take him some time to settle in they lost a lot of key pieces there there's a lot of transition going on there but I expect Leipzig to make a run later in the season and play themselves back into the Champions League places. Not contend for the title this season, but I still think they'll qualify for the Champions League next year.
0: And and Roberto's just pointing out to me in chat that both Holland and Lewandowski both have 11 goals in all competitions so far this season, which is an incredible performance uh, by both players. I want to go back to that Jesse Marsh point real quick because I... You know, it, it is certainly amazing. Obviously, like you'd mentioned, this team lost a lot of pieces. Uh, dio Pamecano went over to uh, to Bayern Munich. We saw Marcel Sabitzer also leave uh, them, and I, if I remember correctly, went to, went to Bayern Munich late in the uh, transfer window. So they, they've really been picked apart a little bit. Obviously now adding a, a new manager, where Nagelsmann went over to take over at Bayern Munich uh, for Hansi Flick, who went over to take for the national team, and Jesse March stepping in. Um, what kind of things, you know, you, you couple that with the 6-3 loss to Manchester City, although, you know, we know what City brings to the table. Does does Leipzig have enough to stay in this Champions League and maybe make it out of the group stages as a second-place team in their group? Or do you feel that maybe this year the Champions League is just not something they need to focus on, maybe even, you know, get bumped all the way down into fourth place, get knocked out, in, out of the Europa League as well, and focus really mainly on the league uh, moving forward?
1: Yeah, that's the thing, Joe. They're in a killer group, Group A, with Manchester City, PSG, and Bruch as well. So just with though those three teams, it's it's not gonna be easy. But I'm not really sure what their what their objectives are. Obviously, we know that you get more prize money the more wins you get in the group stage and the further you advance in these European competitions. So that's gotta be important to them. But if if it's like getting into those match day five match day six scenarios when they maybe need a couple wins to even qualify for the Europa league. Um, and with the Europa league format change this year, it's like those, those third place teams from the champions league have to play one of the runners up, I believe. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's not, it's not a guaranteed entry, but, Anyway, when we get to the those stages, like Leipzig could have some very tough league matches that maybe they have to prioritize the squad for those league games. Um, even the German Cup by by that time, maybe that becomes more of a priority, trying to win some silverware. Mm-hmm. So it's. It's hard to say without being in that boardroom and knowing what those priorities are. I know everyone wants to be competitive in every competition they, they participate in, but sometimes sometimes you gotta like you said, Joe, you gotta rethink what's the most important thing for you this season. Because they're gonna be good under Martian. I think next year they could be a title contender yet again, as much as Dormund are a title contender in the Bundesliga. But this year maybe it's just not there, and and it could just be a slow start, but you know that can derail your whole season.
0: No doubt about it. Uh, I want to close out with a with an Italian question because in this week's version of the world is upside down. When we look at the uh, the Serie A t- uh, table, you've got the you know the two Milan sides. Um, Inter and AC Milan all up in the top three all within two points of Napoli leading the way you've got Atalanta uh, currently just outside the, uh, the the European positions although it's just by points and then you've got Juve currently in the relegation zone you turn that into the Champions League side Juve with the big 3-0 victory over Malmo you have Atalanta that went on the road and drew Villarreal 2-2 you know Una against Unai Emery a guy that knows how to win in European competition and you I don't want to say that you had two stinkers from the Milan sides, but certainly you would have expected more, especially with the uh, the one nil loss um, that Inter Milan had over uh, over Real Madrid, where really it was a it was a last minute goal. Um, how would you rate the Italian performances so far, especially given the way the the way the teams have performed in Champions League is almost opposite of the way they're performing in league right now?
1: <laughs> yeah, you're you're right, Joe. That's kind of funny because Juve took care of business straight away. That was, that was regular service for them resumed maybe when it, it hasn't in the league. Uh, I thought AC Milan put in a really great performance at Anfield. That's everyone keeps saying how it's the toughest place in Europe to play. They fought back. Second half started. They had a goal ruled out for offside. Then Liverpool went down and scored at the other one. So the, that game was on a knife edge and it could have went either way. Inter may be a little bit unlucky to concede at the end. But um, from from what I was seeing about that game, it's, it's not one that they deserve to win in any case. And they've lost so many pieces, especially like without Conte, but Atalanta, they did a good job to to battle back. I think they, they were down two times and and scored to level it back up on both occasions. So, so yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, like it uh, we've been, we've been kind of saying for a couple of years, like Serie A keeps getting more and more exciting and there's always a new twist and turn like Atalanta kind of had, had taken it by storm mm-hmm. this season. It looks like we're going to see Roma really competing for the top Napoli they're They're on course to win the first four matches.
0: Yeah. Amazing stuff there in Italy. And and certainly, you know, from within the first the top 10 teams, Italy seems to be one of those most exciting leagues and top 10 teams doesn't include Juventus right now. So it's going to be interesting to watch as the season moves on. So, Jack, before we let you go today, where uh, can everyone find your work?
1: Uh, You can find my stuff pretty much anywhere on social media. My name is Jack Grimsey on every platform, I think so. Check me out there. I've been making a lot of stuff on TikTok lately and posting them in, on Twitter as well. Having a lot of fun trying to say the names of some of these Champions League <laughs> teams. And I and, uh, got the Europa Conference League to look forward to next. So those ones are going to be challenging.
0: I was going to say that Champions League video was very, very good. I enjoyed it. So that was good stuff. Again, Jack, thanks for coming on the show. Always great to have you on and uh, always look forward to having you back again soon, my friend.
1: Always a pleasure, Joe Roberto. Thank you so much for having me on. Love joining you guys.
0: And special thanks again to Jack Grimsey for joining us on the show. Roberto, we've got a great list of matches coming up in Match of the Week, and I want to just get down to them. Uh, again, this week we have midweek matches in a couple of the different leagues. Champions League returns next week. So right away on Wednesday, going into league 1, Angers and Marseille will play at 3 p.m. on Wednesday. Uh, this is a battle of two top teams in the league right now, so that's going to be interesting to watch. Then the big one, uh, certainly the Match of the Week for us, I think, is the uh, Saturday, 7.30 a.m., set your alarm. Uh, Chelsea, Manchester City, that one is going to be live from Stamford Bridge. Then at 9.30, we'll have Leverkusen and Mainz in the Bundesliga. We go on to noon uh, with Inter and Atalanta, which is going to be another great matchup at... uh at the San Siro at three o'clock Real Madrid and Villarreal. And then at three 30, we come back to this country to MLS where the Philadelphia union will take on Atlanta United. So uh, certainly a host of matches to watch on Saturday, Sunday will be a nice day to rest and maybe enjoy some of the nice weather before it all turns cold again. So Mr. Rojas, you gave us a great trivia question about Erling Holland, Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi at the beginning of the show. Why don't you repeat it for our guests? Yes. So
2: in the Champions League, Erling Haaland has had 21 goals after just 17 Champions League games, which is incredible, Joe, considering this guy only started playing in the Champions League literally two years ago, when you think about it, literally to the day. Um, Obviously, with Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo both having the top two spots as the all-time top goal scorers, my question to you is how many has both respectively scored um, this amount of goals after 17 Champions League games.
0: So you, you're looking for a goals number, not uh, a match number. So nope. how long how long did it take them to get to uh, how many matches did it take to get to 17 uh, to, uh, to 21 goals?
2: No, I just want to know how many goals that they scored so, after 17. Oh, Champions how many League goals games. after
0: 17 matches? So for Cristiano Ronaldo, I think he scored more than Messi um, in this particular time frame, but I'm going to go with. Uh, I'm gonna go with eight for Cristiano Ronaldo, and for Lionel Messi, I'm gonna go with five.
2: You're very close on one of them. If okay. you want to figure out which one,
0: uh, I'm gonna say I'm close with Messi on five.
2: You are. No. Uh, it's not five, but okay. if you want to give it another shot,
0: let's go with. Uh, it's 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 awful close. I know it's I know it's a small number. Let's go with four. Nope. One more time. Six.
2: Six goals for Lino Messi after 17 Champions League games. Wow. And for I... Cristiano, you said eight, correct?
0: Yep. And uh, and I know it's that his numbers right. always been tall, uh, larger than Messi's in this particular regard. Let's go with eleven for CR7. Nope. One more try. Uh, was I over or under on the eight? Over, I was over. Wow.
2: Mm-hmm. Let's. Yeah, it's actually uh, less.
0: I'll tell you what. Let's go with. Let's go with seven for CR7.
2: Nope. Ah. Well. In fact, so Erling Haaland has had 21 goals after 17. This shocked me, by the way. Mm. Erling Haaland has had 21 goals after 17 Champions League games. Messi has had six goals after 17 Champions League games. How many did Cristiano Ronaldo have? Who is now the all-time top goal scorer after 17 Champions League
0: games? how many zero really wow that is shocking that's the the as shocking as the 21 goals is and the six is six goals is the zero is is an amazing stat that is that is an amazing and this number. is
2: a guy who ended up being the all-time top goal scorer so if holland has had that many after that uh, in so little games I don't think
0: Ronaldo's records going to stay for quite some time. I don't think so either, but we'll have to see what happens. So that'll, that'll be fun stuff to watch as, as that young man uh, blossoms in his career and, and where does he go? You know, the rumors from him leaving Dortmund have already started hot and heavy. I mean, it's September. I mean,
2: uh, it started literally the day he arrived, oh, Joe. Yeah, pretty real. much.
0: Pretty much. So yeah, we'll see, we'll see where he ends up. And you know, is he, is he the next uh, Cristiano Ronaldo in terms of goal scoring in the Champions League? We'll have to see. So, Um, Without anything left on the docket, my friend, let's hit the closing music. Let's do it. All right, here we go. So for episode 336 of Low Limit Football, special thanks again to Jack Grimsey for joining us. Next week, we'll take a look ahead at the upcoming round uh, match day two uh, matches for the Champions League and Europa League, as well as touch base on the leagues before they all get ready to go back into another Uh, International break So for episode 336 of Low Limit Football I'm Joe Ucello I'm Roberto Rojas Thanks for listening Everyone And good night